Well, good evening, everybody. I hope you had a restful weekend. I was talking with Father Mark a couple days ago. We were both like, it's already October 20th. Oh my gosh, man. Oh my gosh. It's so wild being a human person because our, our hearts long for what's eternal. And yet time passes quickly while we're here. So don't waste it. That's my homily. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Today we have sort of a dual privilege. First and foremost, it's Sunday. So we honor the resurrection of Christ, which is always beautiful. But it's also the feast day of St. John Paul II. So if it weren't Sunday, we would be celebrating his life and his sainthood. And now it's come to my attention that Many of the newer generations are losing memory of who this man actually was. And that, that really makes sense to a degree, right? Uh, many of you were born within a few years of his death, or probably even after, which is wild to me. Um, but that's, that's how life is. People keep being born, right? And, and if, you, if you remember anything about him, it was probably towards the end of his life when he was... Uh, elderly and infirm. But brothers and sisters, the teaching of John Paul II is so, so important for the modern world. The time in which you and I live. So don't forget him. Ask for his intercession, read his stuff, and understand as much as you can his life. And it will bear fruit, I promise you that. Just an aside, he used to uh, walk in the papal gardens reading a book and have someone else read him a book, and he would understand both of them at the same time. I wish I had that power. That's incredible. But a true intellect, right? And Carroll College itself has an intimate connection with him. He said of the college, Carroll College is meant to be a light to the church in the Northwest. But we'll get back to that. I see God's providential action in the fact that today's particular gospel is on the feast day of St. John Paul II, right? JP II was a master at understanding humanity, seeing clearly the heart of man and presenting to that heart the cause for all our joy and the remedy for all that we suffer in this life. And that's always Jesus Christ, always, every time, every time. And this is the exact same thing that we see in the gospel today. But let's break it down a little bit before we go further. In the gospel, people who hate Jesus are trying to entrap him so that they can kill him. That's the end. That's their goal, to kill the Lord. Right? And it's just like the greasiest thing you can imagine. These men come and lie to his face about what they believe right? They don't agree with him on anything. In order to catch him on something so that they can promote their own evil plan. Does that sound familiar to you? Don't we see that in our own day and age, especially in this political climate? Manipulation of words, manipulation of meaning, and even manipulation of God's word, the Holy Scripture. All to promote ideology, 
pleasure, greed, all of it. Not the truth. In 2,000 years, humanity has not changed very much. But Jesus sees right through this. He flips the script entirely on them. And it actually, it actually makes me chuckle a little bit because these guys are trying to dupe God himself, right? I mean, Jesus, in his divinity, sees this coming from a mile away. He's like, what are these clowns up to, right? And how does he do this? Well, he asks to see a coin, the Roman currency that feeds the occupation of Judah by Rome. So why, why do these guys have that coin? Because they're the corrupt ones. They're complicit in the oppression of the Jews by the Romans. But there's also something much deeper here. Caesar, as emperor, would have deemed himself a god. Thus, when these men are carrying around these coins with his image on them, they're literally carrying the image of an idol. They're worshiping false gods, which is something you see in Israel from the beginning of, of Revelation, right? From the exile, all this stuff. I mean, even when they, before they're in the promised land, they're worshiping idols. and God takes issue with that. Brothers and sisters, humanity has not changed that much. Look around you. So Jesus shows them their own hearts. And then he speaks words that cut to the depth of the human soul. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Well, what does belong to God? Everything. Literally everything. But you... You belong to God. Every last bit of your heart belongs to God. And if we, take, if we take this coin as an analogy, we can ask the question, whose image is imprinted on your soul? The creator's. You're made in the image and likeness of the infinite God of the universe. Brothers and sisters, worldly powers philosophies and pleasures will try to diminish this in you. They'll try to stifle it for their own motives. Do not let them do that. Turn your hearts toward the way, the truth, and the life, the person of Jesus Christ. This is the very thing that St. John Paul II fought for in his lifetime in many ways. He exuded it in his person because Christ was the center of his life. There's this, there's this beautiful story about John Paul II that proves my point. Soon after he was uh, elected to the papacy, on June 2nd, 1979, he went back to his home country, Warsaw. He went to Warsaw, Poland. He's in Victory Square, and he's saying mass. And at that time, Poland was a communist country. But they kind of had to allow him to say mass there 
Otherwise, there would be an uproar among the people because the first Polish pope, right? So there's all the communist leaders are there. There's heavy government overwatch of this event. And at one point during his homily, John Paul asked the people if they were willing to witness to sacrificial love. And at that point, over one million people who were there started chanting, we want God. We want God. Because they had experienced what had been taken away from them in communism. It was thunderous. Right? And I'm sure that the hearts of the communist leaders sank right there. Their downfall was imminent. And almost 10 years to the day after that, Poland became a free country. These people had chosen to give to God what belonged to God, which is themselves. And my friends, you're called to the same thing, the exact same thing. If Carol's going to be a light to the church in the Northwest, if this is going to happen, you must give yourselves entirely to God. You cannot hold back. You are the catalyst that will change this place into what it's meant to be. It's not the administration that's going to do that. It's not campus ministry that's going to do that. It's not anything else other than your hearts that is going to do that. It's you, the students, because Christ lives in you. And brothers and sisters, when we think about giving ourselves entirely to God, it, it can be scary because we're attached to things or we don't know what's going to happen. But this, this isn't some worldly sacrificial slaughter where many have to die before change occurs. It's not like the French Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution. That's how the world does things. But this is about you being fearless and turning your heart to Christ and living a life worthy of his holy name. And in this conversion of heart, you'll show the rest of the world what it really means to be free, joyful, and at peace. You'll be truly alive. And others who see that in you will want that same life. That is what will change everything here at Carroll College and beyond. And you'll lose nothing of yourself. In fact, you'll find yourself in a way that you could have never, ever imagined. And so this is my challenge to you. Step forward. Take the next step. And open wide the doors of your heart to Christ. I'll leave you with this quote from John Paul II, which is from his address at World Youth Day in 2000. He says, It is Jesus, in fact, that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. 
It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is he who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something, to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be grounded down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society, making the world more human and more fraternal. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid. Become who you are.